0: Well, this morning, like I said, we are celebrating and remembering those who, in the past year, have gone to the Lord. And our church marks this Sunday as All Saints' Day, and we're going to rejoice and remember those individuals who have, in the faith, passed on and now worship just like we do, except they are in the presence of our Savior as His saints for all eternity. And no no doubt, today is a uh, a moment of mixed emotions, because on the one hand. We're sad because those who have gone before us are no longer physically with us, and it will be a while before we see them again. But it is also hopeful because we know what they have received. They have received the crown of eternal life. And we know that in worship, and the pieces of worship like communion and prayer and singing, we are doing these acts of worship together whether they are with the Lord or whether we are still here. For on account of Jesus and by the Spirit, the ones we love and the ones we share the faith with, we are not separated. That's why Scripture reminds us in 1 Thessalonians, and it says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of the mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. goes on to say how we all, those asleep and those still alive, will be together again when Christ returns. This text is where our hope and our promises of Christ are fulfilled. It's what we receive from our Father on account of Christ Jesus' work on the cross. And so today we're looking at two pieces of scripture. One with the promises of what happens in death and one with the call to live the life That we have been given. So let's pull out our Bibles. We're going to look at Revelation 7 to begin that our third graders read so wonderfully and then we're going to jump all the way back to Matthew. But this is from Revelation 7. If you didn't bring your Bible you can of course follow along with me on the screen here. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Every nation, tribe, people, language standing before the Lamb and before the throne. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. John isn't just told this, right? He sees it, and this is important because he could tell by looking at the saints that they were all one, but they were not the same. They had received their white robes, their righteousness, right, covered by Christ. They had received their palm branches, which was the emblem of triumph, indicating that they had come from conflict and they had conquered it. But it's worth noting that the people did not look the same every nation, tribe, people, and language. I love this because he could see the differences, which means we will look and see those we know, and we will truly know them. We'll look and see the heroes of the faith, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We'll know King David, and we'll also know our loved ones. And you better believe we're going to know the Lamb who is at the center of it all, jesus christ they cry out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb they cry out that god is the source of salvation and no one else like pastor elliot talked about last week salvation is not something that we earn it is a gift that god gives to us And all the angels standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures fall down on their faces before the throne and worship God saying, Amen. Praise and glory, wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You can count them with me. Will you, third graders? Let's do this. Starting with the word praise, we're going to do every word that isn't the word and. Are you ready? We're going to count. Let's do it. One, praise, two, glory, three, wisdom, four, thanks, five, honor, six, power, seven, strength. Seven symbolizing the completeness, right? The complete victory, the complete salvation, the completeness of everyone who is worshiping God. Did you see it? Angels, us, elders, all the living creatures, everything worshiping God, completeness, 13 says, one of the elders said, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? John says, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Remember, that's what they were wearing ahead of time. But friends, don't forget that it is a multitude that is beyond counting from every people. We can assume that this isn't just some small amount of time at one point those who are wearing the white robes have struggled since the fall of man, have struggled to live in the faith and love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We will be wearing those white robes. Because like those who have gone before us, we too fight and we struggle against the power of sin. And we too have come to receive and be washed by the blood of the Lamb. 15, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not be down on them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and he himself, God, will wipe away the every tear from their eyes that is the promise it is a promise that redefines how we approach death and it redefines how we live in hope and confidence redefines how we how we look at each other Knowing what it looks like in the end redefines our priorities, which is why I want to look at one more piece of Scripture today. You know, Revelation is at the very end of the New Testament. Matthew is the first gospel that begins the New Testament. And the text that we're looking at today begins Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, right? It's the very first one that he gets up and starts preaching in the Gospel of Matthew. And they're fittingly paired together today. In the lectionary, which is... um, It's the verses on the church calendar that cycle through the year and they repeat every three years. They take you through most of the Bible. So every three years, we're getting different verses that we're looking at and this has been all done for thousands of years. It's fantastic. Now they paired these two together because like I said, they both have to do with the life of the saints. One focuses on the promises of what we will receive and one is what we are to pursue on earth. But both redefine our thinking and our living for the present and the future. So today we're going to look at those Beatitudes. We're going to hear Jesus call us to live a certain way that stands so strikingly different than everything else we hear. When we live in a time where we are inundated with ways of organizing our lives around ourselves, create the best circumstance that'll bring happiness, comfort, whatever is best. We're going to see here that Jesus organizes his kingdom differently. Sets out to lead and show us a life in which his followers will experience hope and joy independent of the outward circumstances. That those who know and follow Christ will experience true and deep hope and joy will discover a way of living for God in which you must be ready to say and do what seems strange to the world. Must be willing to give when others take. To love when others hate. To help when others abuse. And I love the way that Matthew 5 is set up, see we're going to follow where Jesus leads. You're going to see in the text that they ascend the mountain, which always seems like this bridge between heaven and earth, doesn't it? Mountains, right? The Ten Commandments were given on the mountain, the, the uh, Mount Sinai. Now, the sermon that Jesus gives is right there. And then he'll go to the cross on the mountain of Golgotha. Jesus ascends, and the followers and disciples gather around him. And I'd love it if today you imagine that. Because you know that the very first people who heard Jesus spoke heard it from his very lips, were no different than you and I. They were young, they were old. They came alone or with friends, brought their children and their family. They came to hear and to see. Came curious, came needing, came seeking, came because something inside them say, I must be where he is. And Jesus spoke these words to signify what we receive from him and what we're supposed to pursue. So let's imagine this together and let's pull our Bibles out to Matthew 5. Again, you can follow along with me as the text appears on the screen. But what we find here in the words of Jesus is that we aren't looking for something that even needs finding. We're not supposed to try and find ourselves. This is a call to unlearn what we already know. It's a call to let go and to be recreated in Christ, by Christ, and for Christ. He went up the mountainside, sat down, the disciples came to him, and he began to teach. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There is no entering heaven except through Jesus. We check our pride at the gate, and instead we learn that we are entirely dependent. Lord, I need you. We offer nothing. We reach out our hands like beggars. And Jesus fills our hands, fills our hearts with mercy and grace because our riches lay not in the power or in wealth, but here in the mercy of Christ. Today we are reminded that we are blessed when we mourn for we will be comforted. We are comforted in our mourning because we are confident it is not the end. Mourning turned to dancing. Ashes risen to become life. Confident because death is not the end. That is what the empty tomb of Jesus confirmed, that God himself will be our comforter that God himself will raise us from the dead and will wipe the tears from our eyes, his very pierced hands. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, the mild, the gentle, the patient. This draws us back to the Psalms where we confess that God is the one who fights for us. God is our mighty fortress, our rock, our salvation. And promises that God's kingdom is coming. We will say this prayer together. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. As the meek, we wait upon the Lord. We wait upon the Lord. And as we wait, we watch and continue to do good and what is right. No matter what happens or is done to us. For blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Remember the promise in Romans 7, they will no longer hunger nor thirst. But here, when we see how far the world is from where it should be, we hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we see children sleeping in parks with no home and see war ravage and destroy nations, When we see disease taking and the evil and the wrong that happens, we hunger, we thirst. When we see such crazy opposites of starvation and obesity, unimaginable wealth and poverty, we hunger and thirst. So that we may be filled called to trust that God will make the difference through the lives of his saints we respond because it is God alone who fills and restores now and in the life to come and this is also exactly what we receive in our baptism immediately declared righteous immediately filled blessed are the merciful you got something to add, brother. You just shout it out. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful. No, don't go. This is just getting good. Blessed are the merciful. I'm kidding, Tammy. I'm sorry. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We don't choose how people act towards us, but we can choose how we will respond. We can choose to end the cycle of striking back and hate. Of commenting with the intention of tearing down. Rest assured, we take a risk doing that. We will be hurt more, more than likely. Maybe even viewed as weak. But it is in mercy where healing is experienced. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. A call for devotion, complete devotion. This one is so hard. It's hard because we need things to live, we need money to live, so we don't start noticing when we're worshiping the things that we have, or money instead, when we, when we want to succeed and suddenly we're worshiping success, when we want to be safe and build a life for ourselves and our children, and we don't start to notice that we're worshiping our own strength. But if we go back to that promise in Revelation, the saints cry out where all power, strength, and security is found. Death always takes away the power of these false gods. And death is only defeated in Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. They're the ones who take the initiative. More than just the absence of violence here, It's harmony, it's a sense of rightness about things. It's allowing peace to flourish, to take things that are full of death, graves, and allow them to become gardens. To take the words that we speak that would kill and cut down and destroy and instead allow love to flourish from them. To recognize that what we do can create or destroy. Peace will flourish and will always be battling against conflict with love. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom. This one is more than just for those who have to hide in underground churches and risk jail for being a Christian. No matter where you are, living for Jesus goes against the grain. Makes people uncomfortable, makes us uncomfortable too, you know, having to fight against ourselves and against sin. But friends, these ways of living, these promises of being blessed are the call that we have to live for Him and to live for others. We have to die a little to live a lot. the last one says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of Christ. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, the prophets who were before you were persecuted also. Like the saints before us, we are to pursue this way of living. And whether we are alive or dead, what we receive in faith is the same. Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way. We do not live to ourselves and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to God. That is the hope. This life that you have, you live it because you belong to to God. Now I'd like to invite the band to come back up, and in just a little bit we will watch a video as the band sings about those who have gone before us in this past year at St. John's. And as the band's getting ready, I'd like to just say a, a little prayer. Will you join me in prayer? Father, your saints dwell here amongst us and also with you in heaven. For you have sanctified all people who have put their faith in you. And from generation to generation, you have kept our ancestors in the faith and welcomed them into your heavenly home, where one day in your house is better than thousands elsewhere. So, Lord, may we follow in the footsteps of those who have gone before us. May we raise our children in the faith and love of Jesus Christ. May we ourselves pursue your righteousness. May we shine forth shine your love for you and for others. Lord, I give you thanks and praise for all of our brothers and sisters who have gone before us, who now see you face to face, who now rest in your presence, whom you have called home. So may we follow their example and may we be confident that we too, we too will have the crown of eternal life. And Lord, as we remember those who passed away this past year, we remember all those whom we have lost and loved and have departed in the faith. We give you thanks, O Lord, and we are grateful for their memory. And we look forward to a blessed reunion in heaven and remember them in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen.